Hey folks, it's Tomo, Sean, and Andrew from What's Going On Here. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and Google Podcasts. Or wherever you stream your favorite podcast. Thanks for tuning in. Ladies and gentlemen, to another episode of What's Going On Here. My name is Tomo Lovrick, also known as Tea Love in herbal supplement circles. And with me, as always, I have my uh, a circle of friends, starting with the young, the amazing, the very intelligent, the very thoughtful, and the very full Mr. Sean Quigley a.k.a. The Quig, as he is known in restaurant reviewing circles. Uh, Sean, how are you, sir? I am uh, good. I'm, uh, yeah, I'm pretty good. Uh, the restaurant reviewing circle is uh, is a very, um, is very fulfilling right now because <laughs> I am, at my heart, a malevolent force. And frankly, there is nothing more fun than turning up to a struggling uh, COVID <laughs> restaurant and fucking sinking that ship. Yeah, ah, I love actually. it. They're like, they're like, oh, uh, how many? How long does it take to get a, a, a waiter over here in my uh, my my uh, fucking pod? No, we had to fire all the waiters. We had no money. I don't care. Get my food now. And they're like, this is what you call food? I'm, I'm yelping this shit now. I'm shutting you down. I'm shutting you down. This is a competitive I, market. I think I think I gave Sean the wrong cue because we're starting off the new year in a really shitty way right now. <laughs> this that, is America, damn it. <laughs> that, that's like actually fr friends of ours who run their own place, somebody came in and yelped and said, well, it's at the brewery at the elementary. And somebody yelped and said, like, the beer is nice, but the server sucks. And the dude showed up drunk and they cut him off after two drinks. And they're like, <laughs> you're, you're done. And he was like, what? I can't get a fucking problem. And then the dude, dude on top of it accused them of racism to, to, to boot. It's like when you came in, you were already two sheets to the wind, guy. And it's like so, so as as they say, Yelp is the curse and the bane of of existence for a small business, because people just like if they got a hair up their ass, they'll just go crazy and just destroy it with some bullshit mm -hmm. view. I mean, that was just a really poignant and uh, just it seemed like you prepped that, Sean, but. Unless you guys talked about something that I missed, I, these things are never usually prepped. That was good. That was oh, good. It, it was. It hit a little. It almost feels like. It, yeah, in a way, because it's so real. But hey, the best comedy. This is true. Is relevant. And, and and as you might hear, we have our third musketeer, if you will, the um, handsome devil, as we like to call him, uh, Beelzebub, uh, even sometimes. 
Uh, he's the man that makes our TV show or our YouTube program, I should say, 33% watchable. And he's young, he's handsome, he's creative, he's lazy in the sack. I mean, his girlfriend told me that once, but I, I, I've, I've never been there. And I'm not going to say anything about that. Uh, Mr. Young and also known as AA in pillow shopping circles. Uh, Andrew, how are you, sir? I'm good. I'm good. Um, pillow shopping circles. Ironic you say that. Um, and again, these things are not prepped in advance. But Tomo, just the other day, I was saying to my girlfriend, rather, she was saying to me, Andrew, you need to get some new pillows. How long have you had these things? And like, I got them when I moved into this apartment. And she's like, that was five years ago. I'm like, yeah. And she's like, five years too long and you need new pillows because they're one of them is great. I splurged on one and one's like a real like uh, Tempur-Pedic or something, right? Ratty. That one's still in good shape. The other three that I purchased were like the pretty cheap ones at Bed Bath & Beyond and they're they're pretty much shot now. So it probably is time for new pillows. Okay. Just uh, That's, Yeah, that, this is serendipity today. I like the way the new year's starting. Well, except for the fact that Sean is ruining people's lives. I, I, I like the way that everything's starting here, so. Hey, oh, the fucking the fucking my pillow guy is trying to destroy America. <laughs> this is true. <laughs> this is true. This is true. I'm glad you didn't let Andrew off the hook with that one. <laughs> Hi, I'm Mike Lindell, and I want a coup d'état now. <laughs> <laughs> well, folks, uh, welcome to our first show of the new year. This is episode 90. For those of you that don't know, what we usually do is we find a subject that's going on in the current pop culture, in the zeitgeist, if you will, and we decide to discuss it and break it down. And it could be anything, a popular movie. Yeah, like Dr. Doolittle over there, his cat is behind him, his dog is behind him. I'm half expecting a fucking chimp to swing from the rafters. I don't know what the hell's going on over there. Um, so so uh, we review things in the popular zeitgeist, and the main star of the show are adult beverages. Um, more often than not, it's a beer. Uh, if you guys haven't seen, well, you haven't seen it yet because it's not up on YouTube yet. But if you heard our last episode, we did the 12 beers of Christmas where the three of us each had four beers in one show and we went to bed happy that night for Christmas. And um, so, like I said, we review beers, we'll review uh, sometimes wine, spirits, cocktails, that kind of stuff. So today's subject that we're picking to talk about is WandaVision, the new series, which is kind of a new, we figured we'd start with something new that basically Marvel is kicking off a new, I don't want to even call it a phase, I, I guess a new stage in their in their uh, uh, productions mm -hmm. uh, because the movies got delayed obviously in 2020, nothing got put out because of COVID. So this is kind of their new go at it. And yeah. WandaVision is on Disney Plus, uh, we've all seen the first two episodes, and we're going to talk about WandaVision and, and how we feel about it. And so in terms of drinks, what we decided to do, uh, because COVID is kind of odd and, and we don't live very close to one another, so it's hard to always get the same beverage to have, we decided to each come up with our own cocktail to celebrate the release of WandaVision. So without further ado... Let's tell everybody what kind of cocktail we made, uh, what's in it, and then we'll start tasting it and see whether our mixology skills are on par with our podcasting skills, which means these drinks are going to suck ass. But anyway, <laughs> uh, let's go from there. So who wants to start? Andrew, you want to start? You want me to start? Um, if you want to start, then while, okay. you're, while you're explaining to our wonderful viewers your drink, 
I'll get mine prepped because I have to finish. Okay. I, right I believe Sean is in the same boat. He's going. John to get... seems to be doing it. He's on the go. He's taking. He's taking the viewers with him. He's taking the viewers with him. Yes, this is exciting. We're getting the whole view of of the Chalet de Quigley. Um, <laughs> so I decided, being the Uber geek that I am, to pay homage to Wanda, aka the Scarlet Witch. For those of you people that don't know, the Scarlet Witch is from Marvel comic books, and that's Wanda uh, Maximoff. And because in the comic books, and even actually in the MCU, they kind of based her out of Eastern Europe. And um, being a good Croatian that I am, I decided to make my drink with Campari, which isn't very Slavic, it's Italian, yes, but that was really mostly for the color. Um, Slivovica, which is plum brandy, 40% alcohol by volume. And another Croatian uh, liqueur, which is called Gorki Pelinkovac, which means a bitter Pelinkovac. And it's basically an herbal infused liqueur that you either have as an aperitif or you could just kind of drink on your own in little shots. It's 31% alcohol by volume. So that's 62 proof. The Campari is 48 proof. And the Slivovica, the plum brandy, which is what the Balkans is really famous for is uh, 80 proof or 40% alcohol by volume. So I mix those three in a big, um, in a mixer with a lot of ice. I added some lemon juice and I poured it in my glass. And for the people that are gonna watch this later on YouTube, that's my Death Star ice cube floating in there. And that's what I have for my drink. And I will await my uh, fellow podcasters to see what concoction they have come up with. Uh, who's ready first? Sean, Andrew, who's ready? I will, I'll do some shaking. Oh, do so. Oh, they, very good. Oh, look at that. I'm liking I'm that. I not use this yet. This is a cheap plastic cocktail shaker okay. that came free with the bulldog gin that I bought the other day. But hey, it works, man. Not using any actual gin in it though, however. Okay. Give it a little shaky shaky. Yeah, absolutely. Do, 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 do. I have got uh, Campari, much like yourself, going with the mm -hmm. red theme, um, and some sweet vermouth, so it's going in the way of a Negroni. Okay. I chucked a couple of dashes of Angostura bitters in, just because that's also red. Sure. Um, but then, instead of the gin, which would make it a Negroni, I have put in some Kraken black spiced rum. Ooh, that's kind mm. of because Wanda has magical powers. I, by the way, have named my drink Wanda's Hex, in case Ooh. you didn't know. So that's what I'm calling my drink. I named it. What are you going to call your drink, Sean? Um, I am going to call it um, Sitcom Squid. Sitcom Squid. Interesting yes. choice. Okay. Sitcom Squid it is. So you said Campari, Kraken rum, and some sweet vermouth. Red vermouth or? Uh, yes, it is red vermouth. Okay, so, so vermouth rosa. Very good. All right, so sitcom squid. Uh, Andrew, so we have Wanda's Hex and sitcom squid. What do you have for us, buddy? I have here. He's freezing up a little bit, folks. Me? Am I cutting out again? A uh -oh. little bit. How about now? Okay. You're, you're back. You're back. Go ahead. I'm back. So 
I have a, a cocktail that I've wanted to make for a while based on a, a recipe I saw on Instagram. Took some liberties with it, but mm -hmm. um, since we were making our own cocktails, I went back and forth with a few things and ultimately landed on, now nah, I've been wanting to make this cocktail for a while, so let me just try it. It okay. is a cocktail made with mezcal, and it Ooh. is um, the recipe that I'm ripping off. I've, I've taken, again, I've taken some liberties with it, but if anyone's ever heard of or is familiar with Dos Hombres Mezcal. Yes, of course. Mezcal company that Brian Cranston and Aaron Paul created. The Absolutely. recipe I got from, from their Instagram account. Now, my liquor store nearby did not have Dos Hombres, so I'm not using Dos Hombres. Okay. Um, but what they called it. <laughs> Uno Hombre. <laughs> Trace hombres. <laughs> Whoa. Um, um, they, they refer to, they called the drink, um, they called it blood and fire. Ooh. But, but I made one for myself and Gabs earlier to mm -hmm. test it out. I only had just a little sip, but just okay. to make sure I had it right first. And then Gabs had it and she came up with a name for it, which I think Ooh. since we've changed it a little bit, we'll go with that name, which is Tangerine Dream. So the drink is made with uh, mezcal. Okay. And Campari. Yo, okay. And um, what else? Oh, and then uh, blood orange juice and uh, a little bit of agave. And then you top it with a um, tangerine slice uh -huh. orange or tangerine slice and chili powder. Ooh, I like that. And That's kind of, fancy. It's sort of reddish in color, like vision. yeah. Oh, so. Let's let's all hold up our drinks so so the people can see it. Oh, look at that! Look at that! Nice. Okay. All right. Well, now that we all have our drinks, gents, cheers. Here we go, cheers, guys. Our sips and see see how it goes. Ooh. Oh, this is really nice. I'm a fan of this. Hmm. How did you how did you break yours down, Sean? Did you do like everything equal parts or I you know I didn't. And the re the reason I didn't is because I wasn't sure because I was making this up that the rum would overpower if mm. I put an equal part of everything, I was a bit worried it'd be too rummy. And I love Negroni. It's my favorite cocktail. So to compensate, I put twice the amount of Campari and then equal parts vermouth and rum. Um, so, which is, it's very interesting because even though the rum is enough of a component that it's made it very dark and it looks like a, a deep red wine. Right. Close. Um, to me, it just tastes kind of like a Negroni. I, I can't really taste the, the rum. And there was a good, it was a good two shots of, of okay. rum in it. And it's a, it's a high percentage rum as well, Kraken. It's like 48% ABV. Okay. Um, okay. I did, I did kind of, I went the opposite. I did two parts of the Schlievovica, which is, it's a strong drink, but you can taste the, it's, I mean, it's a plum brandy, so you can kind of taste the plum in it anyway. And then I did one part Campari and one part of the herbal, the, the Gorky Pelenkoats. And this is very nice. It's very subtle. Uh, 
the lemon juice kind of brings it all together because I put in like maybe, I don't know, a, a tablespoon of lemon juice in there, if that. Um, and it's really smooth. It, it's, it's almost like Negroni's bastard Croatian cousin. And that's what this is. Uh, that's what it tastes like. It, it, every, every time you say that one word that you just said before, every time you say it in the way that you say it, even with the top you're wearing, it looks and sounds like you're sentencing a Serb to death. <laughs> it looks like someone has just entered the room, your office, and they're like, sir. And then you just go, mm, Gorky Belikovic. Yeah, Gorky Belikovic. <laughs> it says it's like, okay, another one in the fucking Serbian <laughs> oven. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> okay, now... Now that up some old, old scars, <laughs> how did you do your, your breakdown? Mine is, if I'm remembering right off the top of my head, it's about two parts, uh, mezcal, and then uh, half or three quarters Campari, um, one part blood orange, and hmm. then uh, a, a, a tablespoon of agave. Um, and then nice. shake it, pour it, and then top it with the uh, with the orange peel or the orange slice and the um, chili powder. Okay. So, what are what are your first impressions of your drinks, gents? Mine's good. I really like it. I'm 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 not a huge Campari guy. I'm trying to get into it more. I haven't really had that many drinks with it. So you know, the Campari has that real bitter mm-hmm. taste to it. Um, which is a little, um, I guess that's what I'm, I'm struggling to get used to. I love the mezcal and everything else in it. Um, but I don't know. The more I drink it, the more I like it. So we'll see. Well, that's what usually happens with drinking. Um, Sean, and you, your, your first impressions? Yeah, I like it. I even, like I said, Negroni is my favorite cocktail, and I've not had it in a while um, mm. because it's just very summery to me. I associate it with warm. Really? Negroni? Yeah, I do because I, I because okay. I f- first had it in Milan, in uh, the Piazza del Duomo, okay. in Milan, sitting there looking at the Duomo, drinking a Negroni for the first time on a nice summer's day. So I okay. think of it as that Italian Fair summer's. Enough. Fair enough. I, I I find Negroni to be a very to me it's Christmas in a glass, and so when WandaVision came out, I kind of decided that the Negroni is my drink, and I did. A little Jamie Oliver uh, twist to it that I saw like he was on the Graham Norton show and I added some cinnamon to it. To the Vermouth I added some cinnamon to the Vermouth Rosso and not that it mattered because it all got shaken up together and then put it. That was really nice. It was it was really like Christmas in a glass. Really nice. So next time you make yourself a Negroni, add a little bit of a dash of cinnamon and, and I think you're going to really enjoy it. Or better yet, get a cinnamon stick and just plop it in. For extra flavor so so anyway so let's talk about wandavision uh, marvel's uh, a big foray into disney plus right yeah we we all saw the first two episodes um for the people who don't know what the what wanda and vision were two characters that were part of the mcu that got introduced in the second avengers movie age of ultra mm-hmm. and the story in the mcu was that um, uh, 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 Hydra 
had basically the, the scepter from the first Avengers movie, and they were experimenting on the twins, and somehow Ultron got a hold of the twins, and Ultron was basically, Tony Stark tried to make a defense system for the planet after the events of the first Avengers, and Ultron went bad, so he became this super powerful robot. And um, he got he got a hold of the twins, and he controlled the twins, which were Wanda the Scarlet Witch and Quicksilver, so Wanda and Pietro Maximoff, and that's how the MCU introduced them. Pietro dies in Avengers 2. Spoiler alert. Sorry if you haven't seen Avengers 2 yet, but you know what? Get off this. If you're listening to this, uh, if you're interested in hearing about WandaVision, I hope you've seen that. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and and then basically the Wanda and Pietro turn to the good side. Pietro dies and Wanda joins the Avengers. And because of their close proximity, Vision is created also by they put the Mind Stone in him. I don't think they realize they have the Mind Stone in, in that same movie. And he becomes, he's such a good guy that he's able to lift Thor's hammer without blinking an eye. Which means you're super worthy if you could wield Mjolnir, right? We're going, we're going deep nerd level today, folks. In case I guess so. <laughs> and um, <clears throat> so she stayed, and, and Wanda and Vision have a relationship. And then throughout the MCU, after the Civil War series where they, well, right. After the Civil War, you guys didn't see what Sean was doing. You'll see it on YouTube. Um, <laughs> after the Civil War series, uh, um, they ended up a couple, and they were in hiding because they were trying to stay away from the U.S. forces and Tony Stark and all of that. And then with the Infinity War and Endgame in Infinity War, again, spoiler alert, Vision dies. Thanos gets the ring oh, yeah. and takes everybody out of existence, including Wanda. And then in Endgame, when they get all the stones and they snap everybody back, Wanda comes back. And what you realize is that Wanda is, she could have killed Thanos by herself. Because she basically had him on the ropes until he started bombarding the whole freaking area where they were fighting. Oh, yeah. And they kind of transfer that over from the comic book world. Because in the comic book world, Wanda is basically a walking reality stone. She has the power to change reality. Literally. And in the comic books for the longest time, her and her brother, for, for a while, her and her brother were just the, the, the children of gypsies. And then they put forth that they were Magneto's children. And over the years, they've retconned that away. And I guess to kind of match what the MCU is doing, there's a character in the Marvel comic books called the High Evolutionary, who's kind of this big genetics experimenter. And he has sentient cows walking around the place and that kind of stuff. Uh, he he experiments on everybody, and they basically said they were two children of gypsies that the high evolutionary experimented on and gave them their powers. So to kind of, I guess, line up with the MCU, that's what they did. And so even in the comic books, she's super powerful, and in the MCU, she's super powerful. Now, however, in the MCU, where the TV show is based on, Vision is dead. He's dead. All of a sudden, we have Wanda and Vision basically living in a sitcom. Pretty much, with with the exception of a couple of ominous moments where she either, like, freezes up or finds something weird. Like, it's, the show starts, it's in black and white. It's literally like an old I Love Lucy show. Mm -hmm. And they hear weird noises at night, and they have, like, the they live in the perfect suburban neighborhood where the next-door neighbor, and I forget the actress's name, and I can't believe I did because she's just such a fabulous actress. And Catherine Hahn. Catherine Hahn, thank you very much. 
She's been in literally everything. Mm-hmm. Um, Wanderlust, uh, 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 We're the Millers. If you see her, you know her because you've probably seen her in every comedy since like the 90s. She's really brilliant. Um, what's the one that they did with the Housewives with Christina Applegate? Um, no idea. Backdoor anyway. Bitches 7? <laughs> <laughs> she was in Step Brothers. Step Brothers. Um, I don't think Backdoor Bitches Seven was that one. I think that's a different. Category. Oh, Mission to Moscow. That was it. <laughs> okay. Um, yeah. So she's in there. She's in there as the noisy neighbor. They have uh, Deborah Joe Rupp from famously from that '70s show is in there. Um, and like I said, it's just this very ominous thing. And then I guess at, was it in the first episode or in the second episode when she started seeing things in color? Second. What, like she saw the helicopter, right? Yeah, that was in the second episode. I that think, was in the second. Right? That's right, because they changed up her style a little bit. She had long pants, so that was yeah. the transference from the fifties to the early sixties, I guess. Yeah, and it was in the second episode that the woman like cut her hand. And, and then everything, the col- everything came to color. Yes, and everything came to color. It was very pleasant. Ville. Very yeah. Pleasantville, correct. Yes, absolutely. Um, and, you know, it, it was the, the plots of the shows were typical sitcom shenanigans. In the first episode, there was a date marked on the calendar. Neither Vision nor Wanda knew why the calendar was marked. There was a heart on it. And they both thought they forgot each other's anniversary. But it ended up being that Vision's boss is called Mr. Hart and the Hearts were coming over for dinner. And then so when they came home, Wanda came out in a negligee thinking she's going to boff Vision for their anniversary. And in comes his boss and the boss's wife. And um, so it's basically, like I said, it's typical sitcom shenanigans. Um, Somehow she makes dinner. The neighbor helps her, Catherine Hahn's character. I forget what her character's name was. Uh, the neighbor helps with dinner, and then the boss, the boss is basically disgusted, and he's ready to fire Vision. And nobody knows, Vision doesn't know what he does. None of his co- co-workers know what they do at the job. They just know that they do computations, and Vision is the best at doing it, because he's a walking computer. And um, the boss starts choking on a piece of food. And he's and the wife is laughing and saying, cut it out, cut it out. And he drops. He's choking. Vision is just standing there. And Wanda kind of gets a far away look. And then they keep like panning to the boss choking, to the boss's wife saying, cut it out, to Vision just kind of like staring off. And then finally Wanda says, Vision, help him. And Vision goes and some of the powers that the Vision has is he can, um, for those of you that are not versed in deep nerd lore, Vision's power is he can adjust his density. And that's why he can float through objects, which he showed a few times in the episode. And he can also make himself fly. <laughs> you you want to share your thoughts, Sean? I didn't realize his power was changing density. But that, it just, it's like, I, it, I feel like it is the per, it's the perfect situation of being a grower not a shower <laughs> that's like exactly <laughs> his deal he's like he, you hey, know 
hey, don't be hating, man. What the hell? <laughs> He's like, yeah, I think you could probably take it. You could probably take it. Yes. I'm like, I'm like, whatever, man. And then just like mid and all of a sudden he's just like, hmm. Mm, let, let me solidify in here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's, I didn't realize you had fantasies about you and Vision, but okay. I mean, I'm not going to judge you for it. I mean, judge you for it. He's a dreamy, he's a dreamy dreamboat, that Paul Bettany. Like, you see those rower's shoulders? You see those rower's shoulders, can you? I didn't realize how freaking skinny he was until he was in those suits. And I was like, good bloody God. He's, he's the perfect body and face, head, everything of like a 1950s actor. I'm yeah. watching it and I'm like, he looks perfect in black and white. Like his frame, he, he looks like Jimmy Stewart. Like his yeah, he does. And his face he, is like so classic he, looking. He looks he he looks like uh, uh um and I forget the actor's name from Bewitched, the husband from Bewitched, mm, like yeah. the same tall, lanky, skinny guy, and yeah, it's just just weird. So second episode now things are in color. Wanda's trying to get, Wanda finds a colored helicopter in the bushes. That's when things, well, things were still things are still black and white. It just there's things a couple things black and white. are That's in right. color. That's right. right. When she finds the uh, the helicopter. And there's weird noises. She doesn't know where the noises are coming from. Uh, and the whole town changes into color for whatever reason. And then the plot in the second episode is they have to put on a uh, talent show um, to raise money for the kids, for the town. And there's the woman who runs the talent show coordination, who's like the, I guess, head alpha kitten in town. And you got to get on her good side in order to like be able to, I don't know, perform in the show or whatever. And Wanda and Vision decide they're going to do a magic act. But Vision at the same time, because they're hearing noises like a tree is constantly hitting the house that's freaking them out at night. Um, and he's going to decide to find out if there's somebody lurking around the neighborhood. And he's going to go to a meeting with the safety watch. And he, of course, hides stuff because he doesn't want to let anybody know that he's a robot. He knows he's a robot. Wanda knows he's a robot. Nobody else does. So he doesn't eat. And somebody offers him a stick of gum, and it was big red, and he accidentally swallows it, and that apparently clogs up his gears inside his robotic body, and it makes him like he's drunk. And they keep showing like a cartoon diagram of just gears being like stuck with this piece of gum in between. And um, they do the magic show, and Wanda's constantly using her real magic to get them out of binds. And they win the talent show and they raise money. And then Wanda's helping to clean up. And at the end of the episode, there's a radio there. And out of the radio, there's crackling. And you hear a voice saying, Wanda, who's doing this to you? And it almost, I, I don't know, I don't remember quite. Was it like, it almost sounded like there was a gun battle going on? Like, I don't know. Or was it just crackling? I think it might have just been crackling, but. <clears throat> it was just crackling. Okay. I, the, the... I, I, I... Sorry, go ahead, John. No, I was, I was just gonna. You were probably gonna say the same thing. I don't. I, I I read someone online say that they they're pretty sure that that was Don Cheadle. Oh, okay. That's that what I was gonna say. Voice. I was gonna say the voice sounded familiar, and I could not place who it was. But I, was I like, couldn't place it either. I didn't. I didn't think it was Don Cheadle, but uh, I mean, maybe like, it is Don Cheadle. Maybe it is. That makes sense. I think it's got to be someone. 
it's going to be someone Marvel, someone from the, yeah, you know, sure, one of the, sure, the Marvel from the Avengers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, someone, someone who's going to do a TV show thing, you know, what they're yeah. set up in that MCU TV world. Yes, yes, yeah, yeah. Well, it, there were there were initially talks about War Machine getting his own show. Yeah, they said that uh, end of last year, end of 2020, when Disney did their investment day or whatever, there's going to be a War Machine show. Okay, so yeah, maybe yeah. So yeah, the, 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 those were the two episodes. Very intriguing, very different. Um, in, in terms of just ideas and the way they did it, I thought it was really nice. Like the first episode was a little bit slow. Mm-hmm. And kind of like losing interest and like scrolling through my phone or whatever. But towards the end, it picked up a little bit. Um, and you saw the thing, they literally taped in front of a live studio audience, like a sitcom. Um and then, like, the intrigue started a little more. So so it's definitely by the end of episode two. And uh, uh, full disclosure, today is Friday and episode three comes out today. I believe they're only releasing one at a time now, right? Yeah, that's right. So episode three, so we haven't seen episode three. But it, I'm definitely want to know what's going on. Because they definitely teased it enough to, to, to want you to see more. The question yeah. is, are they going to be able to string it out for the full season or not? Yeah, it's it's interesting because we kind of knew going into it that it was going to be this sort of weird sitcommy thing. We know going into it that Vision is dead, so it's sort of like, what are they, what are they doing here? Is it like all like a fever dream in Wanda's head? Is it? There are a lot of theories thrown out, right? Um, and I sort of thought by the end of the first episode, we'd have a bit of an idea where it was going, right? And then by the end of the first episode, you don't have an idea. So Nothing, maybe, right? Maybe by the end of the second episode. By the second episode, you don't either. There are slight, there are little glimpses that like not everything is what it seems, right? Like the episode ends and the credits roll and they're actually like, they're not the real credits for the show. They're the credits for the show within the show. Right. Um, And then it zooms out and it's in color and it's someone watching the black and white TV. I'm glad you brought that up because I forgot that. In between the shows, there were commercials. And in, I think it was in the second uh, episode, like towards the end, the commercial ends and you see the Hydra emblem. They were selling yeah. something on it and the Hydra emblem is in the cor- So obviously Hydra somehow got a hold of Wanda again. Like that's the only real hint they're giving you here. Is that what you think? Yeah. See, I took that, I took that as that that would have been an actual commercial in that time period because if you go back in that to that time period in the MCU timeline, Hydra was still around and doing shit. That's how I interpreted that. You see what I mean? I, yeah, I, no, no, I, I see what you're saying, but I mean, the whole point, I mean, that was the whole point in Civil War, right? Uh, Hydra was hiding within S.H.I.E.L.D. S.H.I.E.L.D. would have been... All in, over- in Winter Soldier. In, uh, sorry, Winter Soldier, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Hydra would have been... Uh, 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 um, I mean, S.H.I.E.L.D. would have been all over Hydra if they actually put a emblem in a commercial. No, maybe part that bothers me about that theory. I mean, it's a good theory and you could be right, but that that's, that's my question about that. It just Mm. occurred to me. Is it like the whole Hydra emblem thing? It's very similar to Spectre, isn't it? Very. Yeah, it is. Super similar. (laughs) I'm like, wait a second. That's the same thing. This secret organization with a fucking octopus. The the octopus. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Poor octopus. I love octopuses. I didn't get in all this shit. But there is something too in... I think it's the second episode. Is it the second episode? Wanda sees like a like a bee beekeeper. Mm. And something starts to go off there. And she 
I forget what's happening, but like, she like looks at him and says, no. And then right, things yeah, go I, back and it like turns back into like their happy little sitcom life. Yes. That might've been at the end of the first episode. Yes. Was it? It was. Yeah. Where, right. where they're like, they're hearing the banging. They think originally like they hear banging and they're both terrified of it, which is funny because it's done very sitcom-y. And then they go out and they hear banging. It's obviously not a tree banging on a window. And then all of a sudden one of the manhole covers on the street starts opening and Vision says, what's that? And then, like you said, a dude comes out like with a beekeeper's uh, 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 outfit on. Right, right. He looks at him and he looks at Wanda with recognition and she looks at him and she just says no. And then time goes back and they like kiss goodnight and, and everybody goes to bed and everybody's happy. Fucking mm. sewer bees. Sewer bees. They're from London below, probably. But there was, um, there was something on the beekeeper. There was a name on him that like if you look online yeah it was like let's see if i can look it up but okay. yeah there was there was like a name like an organization or something um aim advanced idea mechanics because that's how those guys address they were under modoc i'm going into deep nerd mode here sean don't look at me like that <laughs> don't look at me like that yes <laughs> i know it's a miracle that women have let me see them. yes i know <laughs> I, um, I oh, did you hear? It was interesting. Did you hear? Apparently, Dick Van Dyke was a consultant for the show. Really? <laughs> well, it makes perfect sense, though. Yeah, they brought him on board. I think specifically for the second show. I think from what I heard, the first show was sort of based on, uh, yeah, like I Love Lucy, uh, um, kind of thing, and then the second show was based heavily on dick van dyke show right, 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 right. i dream of genie and they brought dick van dyke on as a consultant for for, for for the episode to get it the whole bit with vision and the like the didn't get in everything like so he worked with paul bettany to be like no do it like this which is why he comes across so yes. perfect in that yeah dick van dyke. but the funny I, thing is apparently he so had no idea about the mcu like dick van dyke hadn't seen any marvel movies why so would he, he? Thought it was just some little <laughs> like project he was like oh it's a little comic book tv show like yeah. that's cute no idea. well you know what that makes perfect sense because when you look at paul bettany's motions it's very dick van dykey the way he's moving around absolutely and and uh i mean i i'll say this i thought the production was amazing i thought what they did was just really cool because it's just like a really i think unless the show flops storyline wise this will be one of those shows that people are going to say like that was such a great original way to approach the story. Yeah. Yeah, I think so too. From an actor's perspective, I think it's brilliant. Because when you think about it, they got into these shows and it's all like deep, heavy drama. And then, but they can do the deep, heavy drama in little like five second snippets. But the rest of the time, they can stretch their like comedy legs. And, yeah. and Paul Bettany in particular, and, and uh, what's her face, Caitlin Olson. They're really both good at, at the at the old sitcom comedy. They were very good. And I think from an actor's perspective, I'm like, that's a really just fun project to be on. Because you get to oh, be yeah. goofy, you get to be sitcom-y, and then you get to have these just minutes of like intense, like superhero-y stuff. And then you go back to being a sitcom. I, I just thought as just an exercise for an actor, I thought it was just a lovely thing. I would love to be a part of something like that. Yeah. 
Elizabeth Elizabeth Olsen. Elizabeth oh, yeah. Olsen. I'm sorry for, who, uh, for anyone listening who's yelling at yelling at their podcast device. Yeah, sorry. We yeah. know what we're talking about. Kate, Caitlin Olsen <laughs> is on Always Sunny in Philadelphia. My bad. Uh, uh, sorry. Yeah. Yeah. That's right. But there's a very hard time. Like it's brave and Marvel in a way because they're completely. You know they they've killed the movie industry. Uh, they've like they've taken it over. They can changed everything. Um, yeah. Everything is franchised now in a way that it wasn't before. But to get in now on the TV shows at a time where like you got like The Boys, Umbrella Academy, like there are so many excellent IPs out there, comic book TV shows that are like mm-hmm. knocking it out of the park. Right. Really, so for them to come along now, yes. Is, you have to imagine that they really, and off the back of Mandalorian, you think they really got to be trying hard to like make really good products. Yeah, I, I, I mean, yeah, kudos to them. You know, kudos to them. I, I, I'm a little bit annoyed with like the way everybody say like, oh, these superhero movies are ruining Hollywood. Well, why don't you guys come up with fucking something in Hollywood? You right. started it. Like, why was there Charlie's Angels the movie? It was a '70s TV show, you know. Uh, uh, the Fast and the Furious was franchising shit long before uh, Marvel came along. And shit, wasn't there like six or seven police academies? Uh, you know, how many fucking Jasons were there? How many Nightmares on Elm Street? Franchising it wasn't, you know, a, a, a thing that Marvel invented. They just did better than any of you guys. Right. <laughs> and you're just fucking pissed because, you know, I mean, what was the budget for Infinity War and Endgame? Like 200 million, 300 million, 400 yeah. million even. And I the fucking so. thing made 2 billion. <laughs> like I said, yeah. these big studios, they're not into making art. They're investment houses. Because there's not every Wall Street guy would give his left nut if he could turn a fucking profit like these movies do. Mm-hmm. You know, $200 million budget and you turn a, you, you get a billion back, a 500% profit in two years? What? Are you kidding me? Endgame, Endgame made a billion dollars in opening weekend. <laughs> right, exactly. In, in three days. And that's why until until a few days ago, the Secretary of the Treasury was a guy that was an executive producer of a movie studio. You know that? Steve Mnuchin was a... Uh, Steve Mnuchin produced... Uh, what did he produce? A whole bunch of movies. I was watching a movie really? the other day. I was like, Steve Mnuchin, executive ex- ex- producer. Yep, that was his job before he was the treasury dude well i uh, well so we should clarify for people that doesn't mean he's on set it just means he provided somebody with money yeah yeah he's he's a money guy like he was the money he was a producer he was the guy who got money fish uh he oh okay so he was the uh producer for suicide squad it's dc wonder woman he was the producer for wonder woman hmm. for suicide squad um Batman Lego movie. Wow. Sully, uh, the accountant. Yeah, oh. like a, a bunch of a bunch Probably of a big uh, Warner Brothers executive or something, right? Yeah, yeah I think it's it sound like they're all Warner Brothers. Well, movies. you know what? It's oh, an X Men. He was mostly X Men and Avatar as well. Oh, yeah. Okay. Wow. Okay. Yeah. I mean, for people who wonder how these things happen. When you get on these, when you get to be a CEO of some big enough company, you get invited to be on the board of directors of X amount of companies. So, you know, uh, uh, like Jamie Dimon, who's the CEO of, of JP Morgan Chase, 
he's probably on the board of directors of Exxon, Tesla, Google, uh, you know, 10 other companies where you, you just show up for meetings and they give him, you know, $20 million every year for showing up to meetings. And so these guys have money, literally, they have, they literally have more money than they know what to do with. And somebody says, Hey, you want to be a guy who throws in $5 million. That's going to be like a 2% cut for you. Every time our movie makes a billion dollars. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, sure. I'll do that. You know, <laughs> It's, it's, yeah, it's, it's just ridiculous. So that's how these guys get there. They're not particularly artistic, even though. Yeah. John you know, well, there's a lot of them. I'm reading, I've, crazy. He had a lot of uh, American Sniper, Edge of Tomorrow, Mad Max, Fury Road. Wow. Uh, Black Mass, Man from Uncle, Batman vs. Superman, Midnight Special. He's, he's on the board of directors of Warner Brothers for sure. Uh, yeah, it was. It was 20th Century Fox originally. Or 20th, yeah, one of them, uh, yeah. No, he's 20th Century. He, Dune Entertainment. Huh. Was, uh, yeah, and he's he, what it was, he teamed up with Brett Ratner. Mm. And their company together, they produced all these movies. But yeah. Yeah, you get you get the money guy behind you, off you go. Yeah. yeah because, I mean, again, uh, just look at the proof is in the pudding. You get a movie like The Avengers, a franchise that'll constantly make you money, and you tap into a, 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 a viewership pool, basically, that's been around since the 60s and never had a good movie. Because, you know, they've had, I mean, Superman, the first one with Christopher Reeves, was a successful movie. And that was well done, especially when you consider when it was done. Mm -hmm. Superman 1, Superman 2, good movies. Until, uh, uh, what's-his-face, Tim Burton's Batman came along in 89, there was nothing. There were all these attempts. Uh, David Hasselhoff was actually uh, Nick Fury in a S.H.I.E.L.D. movie in the <laughs> 80s. Look it up. Um, I kid you not, Eye Patch, Cigar, the whole nine yards. L look it up. There was a Captain America movie in the 80s. I mean, these are all just like trash B-movies. You know, there's a famous Fantastic Four story movie. Oh. Yeah, that like never got released or something, right? Never, right. There's a great uh, Spider-Man TV movie that I had on VHS as a kid. That was oh, was that based TV. off of the, the Spider-Man TV show, the live action show? There was like a short live action show from the 70s. 70s, right? yeah, absolutely. I, I, I think it was it. before. I think it was the movie that became the TV show, I think. Uh, it okay. Was, it was an origin story, but it was very 70s and it was very like, you know, crawling on the floor, but flipped it. Yeah, like, like, <laughs> like Adam West Batman show when they would crawl yeah, yeah, yeah. in the wood buildings. Yeah, 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 absolutely, absolutely. So yeah, I mean, why wouldn't they do this? So, so like I said, I, I think Marvel, go ahead and do it. You know what, guys, maybe the rest of you should focus on making some good movies and looking at original scripts. What's interesting is what they're doing too, which you have to give them credit for, is they're doing something that, you would not do in a movie. So like, you'd have to think like, really does, does Marvel after everything they've done, do they need to start making TV shows? Do we need to start watching those now? But what they're doing, at least what we've seen so far with WandaVision is something that you wouldn't do in a movie. So they're actually doing something different or kind of telling a different story that warrants itself better to the kind of TV format than a movie format. So it's interesting to see that and to see how they're, whatever you want to call it, how they're expanding the Marvel universe that way. 
Well, I mean, we're, we're actually we're, we're being a little neglectful here because they technically already tried that with the Netflix Marvel series, right? Which are Daredevil, your Pun- yeah, but that wasn't that wasn't as directly connected. So that was like adjacent. So that was produced. That was technically in those shows. They were saying it was part of the MCU and it was connected, but that right. was created and done through like Marvel TV, which was a separate entity than the Marvel Cinematic Universe, which is overseen by. Kevin Feige as the executive producer. So Kevin right. Feige had nothing to do with any of those. And same thing with that show, the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. show. Mm-hmm. They kind of tried that. But again, that was all being done and run by the Marvel TV people. And when Kevin Feige and his guys wanted to do whatever they wanted to do with the movies, they never consulted them. And the guys that were making the TV shows had no idea. So like when the Russo brothers decided in the second Captain America movie, we're going to make it so that S.H.I.E.L.D. is infiltrated by HYDRA and they're all bad guys and basically blow S.H.I.E.L.D. completely away and make everyone this huge twist. S.H.I.E.L.D. is actually the bad guys. And the guys that were creating the fucking Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. show were left like, you know what, what, are, we, what are we going to do now? It's you know literally what like an, it's like an improv situation where they're like an <laughs> half an hour long improv that's built up and then someone just comes and goes... This is a dream. <laughs> what? <laughs> but you know what that was all about, right? Marvel yeah. Agents of Shield was Joss Whedon and his brother. Was it? Yes. Agents of Shield was Joss Whedon. They gave Joss Whedon that because after the first Avengers, and then the whole thing was they insisted that the Age of Ultron was a fucking tie-in movie as opposed to the franchise movie, and they made him like stick to the tie-in bits as opposed to making it a successful movie and them changing around that was just, just basically tell Whedon to fuck off mm, and then, I've he never heard that story. To, then he went over to Justice League yeah and like that's why everybody's like he fucking sucks balls and so like he basically went from the top of the world with Avengers to just being irrelevant now yeah I know he had a lot of problems with with Disney and Marvel when he made Age of Ultron and I think he he pretty much said he didn't want to do any more after that. Right, right. Yeah, but I didn't know he was that involved with the TV show. If you look at the early credits, it's Joss Whedon and his Zach Whedon. I, I forget what his brother. Okay, name. no, that makes sense. That makes yeah, perfect sense. Yeah. The stories I've heard is that the Russo brothers and uh, what is it, uh, Stephen Marcus and Christopher? Is it? If I got their names right, Marcus and McFeely, the writers. That have that wrote all the Captain America and the Infinity War and Endgame films. Um, they kind of collectively came together and were like, "What can we do with this movie to just, you know, do something completely different?" Like, they, you know, how do we back our, ourselves into a corner and figure out a unique way to write ourselves out of it and come up with a cool idea? And they were like, "What if we just made Shield the bad guy?" And that was kind of where the idea came from. The story I've heard, um, but yeah. It could be, and and getting blowing agents of Shield and and sticking it to Whedon because that was the whole thing. Whedon was super super pissed with Feige that they made him do what he did for Avengers Two. Yeah, not happy with Avengers Two at all. Right, and, and supposedly they forced him to change the story around. Right, and I mean I I can't blame the guy because the Avengers was supposed to be the flagship. Yeah. And Avengers Age of Ultron was so not a flagship movie. And then they basically turned uh, uh, Winter Soldier into the flagship movie. Like Captain America all of a sudden became the linchpin for the MCU as opposed to the Avengers. 
Because, you know, it, it was like Winter Soldier and then Civil War. You know, Ant-Man and Ant-Man 2, yeah, those were great little, like, tie-in movies, and they were great fun, and Doctor Strange and all that. But Captain America became the linchpin, as opposed to the Avengers team. Well, yeah, because they did, I mean, Civil War came out, Civil War was one of the first movies after um, Age of Ultron, and it was basically like Avengers 2.5, you know? Right. Um, I love that. That's a great Civil War is a great movie. Age of Ultron is a better movie when you revisit it now that you've seen all of the other movies. I think Age of Ultron is better now that like Infinity War and Endgame have come out to go back and rewatch mm-hmm. than it was at the time when it came out. In my opinion. Okay. But, but anyway, so back to the WandaVision. I I mean I'm intrigued. I'm, I'm enjoying what they're doing. It's different. It's not something you see every day. Um, you know, it's not the typical soap opera, it's all been a fever dream story. It might end up being that, but I like the way they're approaching it. It's, you know, a little bit of like, is she crazy? What's going on? You know, because that was the whole thing. She was b- besides herself with grief because Vision was not going to be brought back with a snap because Thanos killed him. Mm-hmm. But I, I, I keep hearing a lot of stories. I keep all the keyboard warriors like, uh, theorizing that Marvel is going very, he- which makes sense, going very heavy on the whole multiverse thing off the back of a Spider Man doing oh, so well, but also they realize shit, this is our in and our out to both do whatever the fuck we want right. and to bring people back and to stick new people in. So basically we have a creative like blank canvas. We can do whatever the hell we want without having to make excuses for ourselves. We can keep some of the same people, introduce new people, change people around, like we do whatever. And apparently there's gonna be a lot of that because both the Doctor Strange movie coming out is about the multiverse. You've got Mm -hmm. the new new Ant-Man movie coming out is gonna be exploring it as well. Mm -hmm. Apparently the Spider-Man movie is gonna be all multiversey even yeah. dc are copying it with batman going all multiversey but apparently i was reading today that that quicksilver is going to be coming back they think but not as aaron taylor johnson but as evan peters from x-men now that they have the x-men mm-hmm. rights that the, what the first time is going to be evan I, peters quicksilver I have to say, as maximoff i yeah. was going to say the the, the x-men quicksilver so much cooler than the so much better Avengers like that whole scene in when he's just kind of touching people in the cheek and just like moving the bullets that was so just brilliant the way he did that that was great Um, yeah the other thing I heard was that uh Chris Evans is coming back yeah I don't know who knows who knows I mean he's denying it but everybody denies it until like they show up yeah you know if they do, here's, here's the only the only thing they could do with Chris Evans now that I think would be okay because I think they wrapped up his story so well that I think it would just kind of cheapen it if they like bring him back. But that's if, what he said too, right? That's, that's what he had said, and that's part of why he didn't want to. Why he was like, "I'm done." Um, I think if they were to create, say, like a Disney Plus show 
And that show was just like a, maybe a one season show, but it was whatever, you know, at the end of Endgame when he goes back in time to like place all the infinity stones back where they got them. If that was like a one season series of like his adventures through time, putting the infinity stones back, that would be fun. I would watch that. But, but, but you know what? Here's the, here's the thing about that. They are privy to enough writers now that can write good stuff. Because if you look at all of their uh, uh, um, story material for the movies, it's pretty much just taking stories out of the comic books and adjusting them. Mm-hmm. You know, they're not, nobody's coming up with like anything original. And of course, the big thing is Downey Jr. for, for at the end of like Endgame, wasn't he getting like 50, didn't he get 50 mil for those two movies? He got a lot. <laughs> right. And he was cut in, he, he got a percentage too, based on whatever the movie made. I mean, if they threw 50 mil at Chris Evans, I'm sure he'd be like, yeah, it's a terrible idea, but you know what? 50 mil buys me a lot of fuck you. Yeah, it might be. You'll see Robert Downey Jr. back at some point. I, and maybe not in the next 10 years, but you will definitely see Downey Jr. back in the Marvel movies back because he he makes so much money from those shows and he is a very restless actor from what I can tell. He needs to be doing stuff and he, and he wants it to be good and he doesn't like it when things aren't received well. And, you know, he just did the Dr. Doolittle, but his first thing post Marvel was the Dr. Doolittle was garbage. that was garbage. garbage. And Hollywood is a very fickle place. And yes, I know the way it works is the agents and the managers of the actors. Like we as fans, can look at Robert Downey Jr. and go, he's great. He does a shit movie. Who cares? But that's not how Hollywood thinks. No. Agents and the managers are like, Robert, you need to go back and do another Iron Man mm-hmm. thing because we need to put you back there because you were there. And now you sure like there. Right, exactly. Yeah. You yep. need, we need, and, and what the heck? You're going to get 50 million out of it. Like, just, just do it. So yeah. it will happen. I don't know if I'm soon, but it will happen. But apparently he, they're trying to write him into yeah. the Mandalorian universe. Uh, I, well, I I don't see why not. Favreau is who gave him a fucking career. I, yeah. I don't see why it wouldn't happen. Uh, apparently that's <laughs> apparently that's apparently Favreau is trying to find a, uh, a the the best like the best place for him in the extended universe. Like he's probably going to pop up in one of the smaller shows that needs some propping. You know, I mean, I would love that. Just as like a hardened space detective, I welcome that. I'd love to see him in any Star Wars thing. He he's great because you know they're There's... doing the like police procedural one, the one that's basically going to be like space cops. Is that the uh, the movie or the TV show? No, the TV show because the the whole point of what they're trying to do with the Star Wars is they're trying to create subgenres like how Mandalorian is a western. Yeah. They want it. They can have a police procedural. There's going to be like space cops. There's 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 a character in the expanded Star Wars universe in the books, and I'm sure my boy Alex, who listened to this episode, is going to shout now because I don't remember the character's name. But he's from <laughs> Corellia, and he he's basically a cop on Corellia, so Han Solo's world. So that was like the tie-in, like in the books there, and he was like super good at catching guys. Like he had a quote unquote instinct. And then Luke Skywalker basically finds him and he's like, it's because you're a Jedi. You just don't know it yet. You, you, you can, you're manipulating the force. You don't know it yet. And he actually becomes one of the more powerful Jedi when Luke Skywalker starts doing everything in the stories there. But he's like, 
deep down, and like even as a Jedi, like he's a master Jedi, he's a cop. And Corellia is like a very corrupt place, and he's like an honest cop in, in the whole nine yards. So I wouldn't be surprised because they're constantly, especially Star Wars, there's such shits. Like, there's no expanded universe, but we're going to take this story from the expanded <laughs> universe and put it here. And then we're going to take this character and put it here. They're full of shit. So I wouldn't be surprised if Favreau tries to make him not necessarily the same name character, but makes him that character who's on Corellia, who's a cop, that eventually turns into a Jedi. And I'm sure Downey Jr. would just fucking love that role. Because the character in the books was always reluctant. He was like, that, that's fucking magic. I don't want any part of that. So it's a great just character study. Like, wait a minute, you could be like a magician. You could be Gandalf. Why wouldn't you want to do it? It's like, <laughs> I, I want to, I, bullshit. I want to use my brains. I want to use my training. I don't want any of that garbage. And so it's a very nice juxtaposition as opposed to everybody reluctantly, but then becoming the Jedi that everybody wants them to be. And story-wise, it's a great story. So I wouldn't be surprised if 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 Favreau puts Downey Jr. in that because that would be right up his alley. Both of them. I think Downey Jr. would carry the character brilliantly because he's a great actor, let's face it. But um, I, I don't see why he wouldn't be able to do that. Yeah, that'd be that'd be that'd be good. Yeah. Are we we see. I know it's a bit of a side thing, but it's reminding me. We see again that James Bond has been pushed back. Yeah. Again, I can't believe yeah. this. I can like I can't think of anything anything like this. Like by the time it comes out, how much time is going to have passed between wrapping the movie and it coming It'll out? It'll be like two years. Daniel Easily. Craig's got to be so pissed because he right. can't do anything. Like he's trapped. Yeah. And like he's I'm sure he's contracted that until the movie comes out, he is still Bond. Yeah, he's still going to have to do press and stuff oh, like that. Oh, like that? Yeah. Whatever, whatever, that, whatever that's going to entail right now, whether it's Zoom, press conferences, yeah, but you know what? nature. But. I, I don't think that's necessarily the case because any lawyer worth his weight would be able to talk, work their way out of that contract. Because, like, look, it's a worldwide pandemic. All bets are fucking off. If the floodwaters are coming, we're not going to sit around and wait for them to, to show your movie. So I don't know if necessarily he's not working on any projects because – I mean, because he did uh, Logan Lucky, right? What mm -hmm. during his Bond days and Knives Out, which I finally saw the other day, by the way, and I loved it. Great uh, movie, loved that movie. You you both saw it, right? I've not seen that yet. No, I, <gasps> I really want to. You haven't seen Knives Out yet? It's no. on Amazon, or at least it was. Is it still yes. on Amazon? Yes, yes, it, it's yeah, on Amazon. Give it a watch. Absolutely. It's a great movie. It's a really fun movie. Great twist. Um, I'm not going to spoil it, obviously, for you, Sean. But like halfway through the movie, like an hour into the movie, I was just like, all right, where are they going to go from here? We know everything, what's happening? So it's it's really a lot of fun. And it's just fun watching Daniel Craig have fun. Like he's, it couldn't be any further oh. from James Bond. And you can and, tell he's like loving it. it and, it's just so uh, much fun. And it's so and over what's the top. his face? Um, who's quietly becoming like, well, he's, I think, very underrated so far. Uh, is it Lakeith Robinson? Lakeith La Stanfield. He is a he's great, fantastic actor. You know, everyone's talking about a uh, Washington's son, uh, 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 John David Washington. Yeah, yeah, John David Washington. Lakeith Stanfield. Everything I've seen him in, he's he's that character. He's nobody else. He's a brilliant actor, and uh, I mean. The accolation. He's like Mahershala Ali. When he's on mm -hmm. screen, I can't take my eyes off of him. 
And I mean, in, in Knives Out, he didn't even have that big a role. But it was like every time he was talking, it was just like complete focus on him. I, I think he's brilliant. He's yeah. absolutely brilliant. Yeah. All right. So, um, so, so, what do we think about Wandavision? What, what are we thinking here? Are, are we hopeful? Do we think it's going to be a good show? I, mean, I would say, I. I feel it's interesting because with the exception of those little glimpses that you get of like something's off in those first two episodes, they really are, you really got two like full 30 minute episodes that are basically just like an old school, old sitcom um, with like the fun twist of like Wanda has powers and Vision has powers. So like the only difference is like she's cooking dinner, but all the, she's got everything floating in the air. Blah, the place, blah, blah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's, it's fun and it's entertaining and it's interesting. My thing with it is... Um, like I said earlier, I had really expected at some point within like the first episode or something, you get a glimpse a little bit more as to what's going on. I didn't anticipate it to be this slow burn of a, of a show. And, you know, if anyone listens to this and has seen the third episode by the time they listen to it, maybe they'll know more than what we know and we're talking about right now. But I wonder, where is it going? And my biggest question is, is it wherever it's going, is it, is it going to pay off? Like, is it going to, is it going to blow our minds when we be like, holy shit, this is really great. Or is it going to be like, oh, I see what they did there. But like, is it necessary for us to have gone two episodes, maybe however many more of like just this fun sitcom thing as it, if it's just all kind of an illusion, is it, is it a slow burn that's going to pay off or is it not? And it's not going to stay that way. I've heard the, right. I heard them talking about the, um, whoever the creators are behind it. Mm -hmm. have said that it's not going to stay a sitcom it's yeah. um, oh right it, this is the setup and they're gonna the the first half of the series is they're playing with the different eras and it, it very quickly is going to move throughout the different areas and it's going to go to like the 70s the 80s the 90s um of all different sitcoms like it's going to shift into like friends well, it's, Seinfeld, it's gonna, it, yeah and, it's gonna and then it's going to shift it's going to get ominous because I remember when they were plugging with 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 the uh, trailers and whatever, and Catherine Hahn was was talking to Vision, and she said, "Well, how do you feel about all this?" And he said, "What do you mean?" He said, "Because you're dead." And she starts oh, laughing, yeah. and so it was like a very ominous. And his face is shocked. He's like, "What?" And so so I think. With each episode, the the dread is gonna go yeah. up more. And, and like you said, what they're doing is with the multiverse, Doctor Strange and, and the multiverse, they're gonna just be able to regurgitate the characters as long as they want. Mm -hmm. One thing I heard, based on what you were saying, Sean, um, I heard the same, I think the same thing, it was Kevin Feige or whoever else, the showrunners talking about it. And they said, it's not gonna be like this completely um they also said or maybe it was um paul bettany that said this i forget somebody said in an interview that by the end of the series it's going to be like action that you've come to expect from a marvel movie so it's not all going to be a sitcom okay so where is it going i don't know but i'm definitely intrigued yeah the intrigued is definitely the word i i i'm let's put it this way they put out the lure i'm hooked i'm watching it yeah so. It made it made me go, but what it made me do is it made me go back and start watching Seinfeld. <laughs> so I was like, <laughs> I'm in the mood for watching a good sitcom right now. And I never watched Seinfeld originally. Um, 
A, it was slightly before my time, but but right. B, it it was weird. It didn't get play in the UK. Seinfeld uh. did not play. It Se- was on like the weirdest times. It was not on prime time. We got Seinfeld. French, Seinfeld was a weird one, even like in the US. Like when it came out, it took a while before it became like like everybody loved Seinfeld. Like Friends, like almost got a following right away. Mm-hmm. Seinfeld, I want to say it was like two or three seasons before. He, uh, I think it was. Yeah, I think it was either three or four. They said the first, the first, first, uh, the first two seasons, if not the first three seasons, they were like pretty sure they were going to get canceled. Because they they kept on like it was it was a typical. It was like uh, one of my favorite shows that I thought was highly underrated was Third Rock from the Sun. Oh yeah, John Lithgow and Joseph Gordon Levitt. I every time I watched that show, I laughed out like almost to tears almost every episode. And for whatever reason, people like it just didn't have the popularity, and they kept on shifting it. And it was like first on Thursday night, then they moved it to Sunday night, then they moved it to like Saturday, you know, Friday. It was just like every time they moved it, it was like, why is the show on a Tuesday night? What the hell's happening here? You know. And Seinfeld, I think, was the same thing. They kept on shifting it. And then I think it was season three or four when it got the, the coveted Thursday night, uh, eight or eight thirty slot. I forget which one's the one that, that they want the most. And it's because it was like such a it was such a cynical New York thing that the rest of the country was just like, what the fuck are these guys talking about? Mm-hmm. But if you were like from New York City, you were just like, I know these assholes. I see these assholes <laughs> every fucking day. And I mean, Andrew, you, you, you could vouch for it. You moved to New York City. You know, in the beginning, you're like, oh, wow. And then you run into the, it's like, are you fucking Kramer? Are you George? Who are you people? And it's yeah. like, because these are just normal New York City guys that are just cynical assholes that don't give a shit about anybody or anything and just always try to get one over. And so it was just like hard for people. And in fact, there's a joke about it on King of the Hill, the cartoon, where they're all sitting around and uh, I forget the character's name. That, that kind of talks when he mumbles talk a lot with, with the blonde hair of the character and then he does this whole like rambly bit of <laughs> New York boys and he's talking about Seinfeld and he says Seinfeld and there's a bunch of mumbling and then he goes them New York boys and he just starts chuckling and that's kind of what Seinfeld was you didn't know what it was about but then like some of the episodes were just brilliant it's, it was weird looking at uh, going from the beginning with episode one and I think all the you know, all the people in that show are so iconic now. And it's weird to think how long ago it was. And it, it was 1989 was the first season. And they weren't young. None of them were young, which is really mm-hmm. strange. Seinfeld was 35 yes. in 1989. Uh, George, um, Jason Alexander was 31. Yeah. Judy Dreyfus was 30. Mm-hmm. And then Kramer was 40. Yeah, in the first season in 1989, and I'm thinking about it now, and I'm like, they basically all look exactly the same. How was that? Yeah, I mean, they, they caught him at the right age. It was kind of like Harrison Ford between like uh 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 uh, uh what you would call it, Temple of Doom, and uh Jesus, the uh, fugitive. The fugitive. <laughs> that would be a same. great Indiana Jones movie. Indiana Jones and Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it, it was just, and the unusual, and that was the other unusual thing about Seinfeld was because American TV is so focused on youth and beauty all the fucking time. Mm-hmm. Like I remember being in, in a meeting with a casting director and she used to be a casting director for the WB. And she said, they were fucking, they were just like one step short of being porn 
casting directors. <laughs> Because everybody in, that went on a W on a CW show had to be fucking hot, and she said her office would literally get requests for a hot hobo, hot homeless person. It was <laughs> walk through the fucking city. There's not a lot of hot homeless people, man, because teeth are missing and they stink, and you know, not because they're terrible people, but because their situations are awful. Yeah, it, but the CW would be like hot dentist, hot plumber. Hot electrician, hot like anything, you know, hot ship shoveler. I mean, it's just like everything had to be hot. And Seinfeld, with the, I mean, with the exception of Julia Louis Dreyfus, who's still freaking hot, yeah. amazingly enough. And like the guys, they were just like regular schlubs. Oh yeah, <laughs> it's just totally were regular schlubs. I mean, so, and I mean that was the big joke too. Seinfeld was it was his show. Seinfeld, he wasn't the show. All the other characters were the show. Yeah. It was George, it was Kramer, it was Elaine. And I, I distinctly remember the one show when I laughed out loud because of things that Jerry was doing was when he and Kramer switched apartments. Oh, yeah. You remember that? That's a great one. Yeah. And he, like, turned into Kramer. That was, like, one of the funniest episodes. That was great. Uh, so, you know, I mean, it, it's it's Seinfeld was a very unusual show, and it broke that paradigm that everybody had to be hot. Like Roseanne broke that paradigm, but that was very middle America, working class, and that just a lot of people just like that show. That was a family too. Like you can get away with it if it's like mom and dad and blah blah blah. These were just single people living in New York. Right. You know? Yeah. With, with concepts like let's let's have a competition. <laughs> Who's not gonna play with themselves the longest? I mean, that was you know, that was just like what? On American TV? And that's why why people were just like, this is a funny show. Because like even like when you go on, on cable, like Sex in the City, and they're starting that over again, which I'm just like, why? Like nobody thinks that people 50 plus have sex? What the fuck? Why is Sarah Jessica Parker? Anyway, you know, it, it's just one of those things. Like even those shows, like everybody's hot. It's like, no, everybody's not hot. Have you walked through the city? Sure, there's a lot of hot people in the city. But I mean, God, like for every Andrew, there's at least two of me and Sean. And it's fucking <laughs> disgusting. <laughs> <laughs> it's disgusting so yeah all right so we're hopeful for a wandavision yes yes we are i are think are we are we giving a thumbs up then for because i'm giving a thumbs up for wandavision what are you guys giving i guess i would give it a thumbs up i would say um i wonder what i don't know this isn't really a fair thing to say but Imagine like we didn't have the entire MCU before WandaVision and it was just like this kind of new quirky superhero show. I would be like, what the fuck is this? I don't, I'm not interested. But because of that, I'm like, I'm going to give them the benefit of the doubt. I'd, right. I'm interested to see where this goes because I know what the MCU has done and the kind of stories they tell. I, I think I think WandaVision, in, in turn, when you put it that way, to me, WandaVision is a little bit like um, Babylon 5 was when it came out. Mm. it was kind of like what, what, is this like a low budget Star Trek we already have low budget Star Trek so why is this going on you know so and a lot of like mainstream sci-fi people were like no nah, I'm not watching it but people who like stuck with it are like you gotta watch this is a great freaking show because what Babylon 5 did was what Star Trek never really did at that time didn't do they went right into like the politics like what real politics would look like like the backstabbing the lying the cheating like Star Trek is a utopia. 
mm-hmm. you know, with maybe a couple of Klingons and a couple of, you know, like dirty players here, Romulans, whatever. But for the most part, the Federation is a utopia. And, and uh, Babylon 5 was just like, no, everybody's a backstabber. Like literally everybody. You're like, you can't trust anyone. And, and I think that's, that's where WandaVision would be. Because I think you, you're right, Andrew, unless they had somebody behind them that said like, no, we're going to stick it out. Right. It would turn into it would turn into like a cult following where yeah. like numbers wise, it would do shit. And then people would be screaming like, why'd you cancel that show? This is a great show. Mm-hmm. I, I think that's where it is. Like I said, and you're absolutely right. I think because of the MCU, there's a lot of leeway to, to, to be patient. Yeah. yeah and exactly. so so I mean, that's probably the biggest reason why I'm giving it a thumbs up. So I, I, I'm, I'm there. Yeah, thumbs up for me too. Then, with all that in mind, Sean, I no, I say the same. I very similar to you guys. I think I'm giving it. If again, if it wasn't uh, so much of the reason I like it is down to Paul Bettany, um, and then also Catherine Hahn. I love Catherine Hahn. Um, Elizabeth so Olsen. I'm not that. You know, she's doing a really good job, uh, but I'm not that okay with her work other than Marvel. But mm-hmm. I love Paul Bettany. Paul Bettany is for me. He, anything he is in, he's brilliant. And he doesn't get to do as much, I guess. But uh, I, he, for me, I just love Paul Bettany. He, he, along with, he is in one of the best Hollywood couples as far as like, they're both the equivalent of each other for me. Um, in the, it, um, you mean his actual wife? Yeah, 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 yeah. Who's yeah, his yeah. wife? Um, oh, uh, uh, Jennifer Conley. Jennifer Conley. What? They've oh, been, okay. They've been married since A Beautiful Mind. They got together in A Beautiful Mind. They've been married 20 years or something. Uh, Beautiful Mind hasn't been that long, has it? Almost. Not 20 years. Almost 20 years. Like 15, 16 years. I had no idea who's married to uh, Jennifer Connolly. Yeah. Uh, since and- 2003. I yeah. just looked it up. Wow. Okay. Uh, wow. I didn't okay. know that. Yeah, they they they're a power couple, and they're like the other couple that's very similar in my eyes is Daniel Craig and Rachel Vice. Mm. Both of them, th- those two couples, Daniel Craig, Rachel Vice, and Paul Bettany and Jennifer Connelly, are like both the same in that they're both the two of the strongest relationships. Like they've never had it. There's never like awkward. They've stayed together. They have kids. There's no problems. There's no, they don't cheat. They're and regular they people. Yeah. yeah they're you don't hear people. about, you don't hear about no. couple drama tabloid no. bullshit. Right, right. They keep it low. And right. All four of those people are like masters of what they do. Yeah. They're brilliant. Every time they pop. And I think it's because they're taking turns. And that's the trick is Paul right. Bettany and Jennifer Connelly take it in turns to do things. And the same for Rachel Weisz yeah. and Daniel Craig. Mm. Rachel Weisz, to me, v- one of the most underrated actresses out there right now. Because, mm. I, I mean, in The Mummy, and it's funny because it's an adventure movie, whatever, I I fell in love with her in the first Mummy. She was so brilliant in that thing. Brendan Fraser was fantastic <laughs> in it too, mind you. Like, that whole cast was brilliant. But she was just, she was such a standout. It was like, I, did, I was in Did you hear he's coming back? Did you hear about that Brendan Fraser's making a comeback? Yeah, he's going to be in a Darren Aronofsky movie. He's he's yeah. been making a comeback. He's had some uh, TV show where he plays like a Texas lawman or something. Yeah. Did you hear the, the Darren Aronofsky movie? It's called it, The Whale. It's based on a play. And he's supposed, supposedly going to be playing a guy who's like 
what, 600 pounds, 400 pounds, something yeah, like that? Yeah, it was a play based on a semi-true story about this uh, 400 pound, 600, I think it was 400, but like, you know, this super obese guy that right. literally, it, it's like leaving Las Vegas, but for food. Like, it's about a dude who is slowly eating himself to death. Um, and wow. Brennan Fraser's been cast as that guy. I'm like, oh, I'm so up for that. Darren, <laughs> Absolutely. Directs Brennan Fraser eating himself to death. <laughs> I, I think Brendan Fraser, like I always used to wonder what happened to him because he, he basically had all the, he basically had all the trimmings to be like a Hollywood leading man. I mean, mm -hmm. in the mummy too, they made the rock a fucking CGI because Brendan, people don't realize Brendan Fraser is, Fraser is a huge guy. He's like six, five. He's enormous. So when they had him stand next to the rock, the rock didn't look that impressive. Like, yeah, he was a little bit bulkier, but that's why they made him the giant freaking scorpion at the end of The Mummy 2, because Brendan Fraser was a, a huge guy. So the hmm. fact, and his comedy we knew from Encino Man, uh, what was it, uh, Bedazzled with, uh, uh, what's her name? My favorite British Liz woman. Hurley. Liz Hurley. Oh, it's like, yeah. ugh. Like, her and Selma Hayek, somebody get those jeans and freaking replicate them, because, my God, those women are ridiculous. Um <laughs> Yeah, I mean, Brendan Fraser, he was just, he's just really good. And so I was always surprised that he just kind of like fell off the planet. I was just like, what the hell? What's going on? And then, of course, he was in Crash. Um, and that was like the last of it. I think he got, I, I don't know if it's for sure, but I, 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 read a, I read a couple of articles that hinted uh, that I think he there's a chance that he got blacklisted at least unofficially, in that same world that the Weinstein the, the people too, did. Absolutely, yes, yes. Because I, I think, I think he was probably, I don't want to say preyed upon. Yes, but I think it, by some some dudes. I think they were trying to use him. Like I think maybe they tried to come onto him, or there was something. I, like, I, to I totally read that article. It was that, yeah. and because he was, he was the, he was the old school actor where they were like, well, "We're going to do stunts." He was like, "All right, I'll do them." And because he's a, such a big, tall guy, you know, when you do these stunts, he, like his back, like he ruined his back. Yeah. And so he, he, could, he could do certain projects. And like you said, and, and then the fact that he wasn't appreciating getting like hit on by these guys. And they were like, well, fuck you. You're never going to work in Hollywood again. And yeah, totally. I, 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 I remember mm. reading about that. And he just kind of got blacklisted about the whole thing. But yeah, he's I, he's a really good actor. He's uh, underrated. But yeah, like you said, Rachel Weisz, uh, Daniel Craig. I love what Daniel Craig's doing. The way he's snapping out of the Bond role and taking all these other roles. Um, I, I I potentially see him being uh, the the Viggo Mortensen, the next Viggo Mortensen, because I think his range is really good. You know, I, I was thinking about that the other day. The whole designation character actor every fucking actor should be a character actor if right. you're a actor you know what i'm saying you should be able to do any fucking character they hand to you not just always be the hero or always be the schlub or always be the asshole or whatever and i, I realize it's like how people see you and you're getting typecast but every actor should be able to be a character actor and i think daniel craig can is would, would easily um span that yeah, and it, he was, he sort of, he was, until James Bond, he was always doing that. Like before James Bond, he was playing character. He didn't play the leading because he wasn't, at the time he first started in the industry, Hugh Grant 
was the mm-hmm. image of British actors. Right. Like, he didn't. He wasn't that foppish, like good-looking, charming uh, Colin Firth, like Mister Darcy guy. Like he was. He was right. The it first was Hugh movie, Chris he, Davis, like Road to Perdition, was like the first thing I remember seeing him in. I think uh, he in was America. in freaking uh, Tomb Raider. I totally forgot that. Oh, was was he? I never Daniel saw that. Craig. He was in oh. Tomb Raider. Yeah. I forget if it was the first or the second one because I remember like it was on TV. I was like, "The fuck is Daniel Craig doing in Tomb Raider?" <laughs> That's weird. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So, all right. Yeah. So, so, th- so, three thumbs up for WandaVision were given. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I wonder. I'm gonna say this now and tell me what you guys think. Should we, and maybe we can reconsider this after we watch the rest of it, should we do another podcast after the season wraps to talk and say our thoughts once we actually know what the hell's going on? I don't see why not. It's our show. We can do what we want, Andrew. All right. You heard it here first, folks. You heard it here first. By the way, (laughs) you guys did see that Paris did actually have a cooking show in June, right? She made a new episode. Yeah. We're coming up on a year. From yeah. when we first recorded that. Yes. The, Andrew, you've almost been with us for a whole year now, man. Wow. Yeah, it was, what was it late? It was probably a year. What was the first show we did together? It was late January. Late January. Late January. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, it's been a long time. And we put a lot of episodes in that year. Because we went from... It's both gone by very fast and very slowly. Yes. <laughs> We've gone from episode 70 to episode 90. So we've done 20 shows in a year. In a year. Wow. That's not bad. Not bad. Not bad at all. Not bad at all. All right. So let's review our homemade cocktails, shall we? Uh, Sean, why don't you start us off with the sitcom Squid? What do you think Uh, of the sitcom Squid? uh, I think it uh, is uh, nice. I think uh, I'm so used to... Negronis and also rum, I guess. And uh, so for me, it, it's it sits well. It's it's quite strong. It's a little bit stronger. It's a little bit like um, more robust than a classic Negroni because the rum kind of the gin is a little crisper, so the rum kind of sits a little bit in there. So for me, it's nice. Um, but I think your everyday person, if they were to drink it, would probably. <laughs> I'd probably just spit it back in your face. I'd probably be like, "What the fuck is this?" Um, so I've 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 kind of destroyed my palate to to my own tastes to to okay. a certain degree, um, but I like it. I think it's very nice. So it's very alcoholic, but um, okay, it is uh, it's good. I don't I don't think I'll probably do it again just for no other reason than just. I individually, I really like Negronis as they are, and I really like rum, where rum is the predominant thing. And by mixing them all together, I've just kind of, you know, I've made a Hawaiian pizza. (laughs) (laughs) And I like Hawaiian pizza, but I'm aware that, Tomo, you don't like Hawaiian pizza. I've had it, and I... I've had it and I don't necessarily hate it. And I'll tell you why. Because pizza is like sex. Even when it's bad, it's still pretty good. So <laughs> you already have ham on it, which I will crawl over my dead mother to get a slice of ham. 
<laughs> oh, I, we are saving that one for the eulogy. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, I love pineapple. I think it's an odd taste on a pizza, but if you throw enough red pepper flakes on that slice, it's delicious. So I, I, I don't mind, uh, you know, like I love my pork. And so, you know, so, all right. So now that we know how little I think of my mom, why don't we, why don't you tell us, uh, Sean, what grade you give your sitcom squid? Um, I don't know. I give it a, uh, I give it a 3.8 out of five. 3.8. Okay. Yeah. Uh, now Andrew, remind me, Campari, blood orange juice. What else? Mezcal. Mezcal, that's what it was. Um, and and then uh, it's got uh, agave and um, chili pepper, chili powder, chili, chili pepper. powder. That's right. Okay, and uh, just make you guys make sure you give me the the, the recipes, and then I'll I'll uh, I'll post that when when I do the edit the video for YouTube. So anyway, so what do you think of your um, what did you call it again? What did, what did Gabby give it the name? What was it? It was the um, Tangerine Tan Dream. Tangerine, Tangerine Dream. Dream. That's what it was. Tangerine Dream. Tangerine Dream. Uh, the Tangerine Dream, it's good. It is not my favorite. I think, again, the Campari, I'm not like a huge fan of. I like Mezcal. I like it a lot. Like, I like Mezcal is, to me, is, I was saying this to Gabs earlier when we got it. I said the best way I can describe it is like tequila and scotch had a baby. And that's okay. what mezcal is, because, you know, it's got that smoky, peaty taste of like a scotch, but it kind of tastes like a tequila. Um, so the mezcal I really like. And I feel like in this, you lose some of that taste of the mezcal. Okay. So I think there's a Yeah, Campari is strong. I can see that. Yeah. Yeah. So I, there's, there's some version of this drink, whether it has or it doesn't have the Campari, but it has the mezcal and maybe the blood orange and the, the chili pepper that I think was, is really good. If you can figure out, if I can figure out how to get it right. I think if you could replace the Campari with Aperol, maybe that might make oh, it a little, maybe. it's a little maybe. less, a little sweeter, a little less bitter. Cointreau. Because it'll give you that orange to go with the tangerine. Cause Cointreau is, is very orangey. Oh, maybe, maybe. So maybe you can try that. Well, so I think there's a good drink in here. The drink itself is is decent. You know, I enjoyed it. I was able to sip on it and, sure. and I liked it. I wish I could taste the mezcal more. Um, so I guess I'd give it like a, I guess I have to give it like a 3.0. 3 3.0, 3 okay. That seems a bit well, out of five, a three, a three out of five isn't, isn't necessarily low, right? Okay, no, 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 it's average. Yeah, okay, so it's an average drink. That's kind of what I'm thinking. Yeah. Okay. All right. Fair enough. Fair enough. Um, all right. So I'm going to go, I'm going to do my, uh, uh, executing pronunciations for Sean since he loves the Eastern <laughs> European pronunciation so much. Mm. So I have my drink, which I call Wanda's hex because she's throwing the hex spells. This is for all the nerds that followed <laughs> X-Men and Avengers in the comic books. Uh, and it is, uh, two parts of Shlivovica or plum brandy. Uh, one part Gorky Pelinkovac, which is um, a herbal <laughs> liqueur, and one part Campari uh, with a little bit of lemon juice and shaken and poured over ice. I enjoy it. And I will say this much. 
here's the problem with cocktails and waiting to give it a grade at the end of the show. Beer is different because, you know, even a really super strong beer is like 11%, 12%. The lowest amount in my drink is 24%. And then it's 31% and 40%. By the time I'm done drinking this, this drink just gets better. So if initially it was a three, at this point, it's a three, seven. It's like going out and whoever you're interested, that perfect guy, that perfect girl, that at the beginning of the night, you're like, well, she's kind of nice. And then you had four drinks and you're like, God damn, she's fine. And this is what happens with the, with the mixed cocktails, I think. It's the Joe Biden effect. It is. It, it totally is. It's like, I want someone with the brain of George Clooney and a body of Joe Biden. I mean, that's what it becomes with this drink. Um, I, initially, so I'll put that out there. Initially, when I tried it, I thought it was actually very nice. There was a lot of flavor going on in there. There was a lot of things happening. Initially, I would have probably given it a 3.6. At this point... I, I, I'd want to almost give it a four. I'll say a three, nine. So I'll split the difference and give it a, a three, eight also. Right. Seven, three, seven, five. So I'm rounding up. So I feel like we're getting closer and closer to eventually, like maybe if the pandemic really takes hold, eventually to just making our own like toilet hooch prison style. <laughs> <laughs> Cause that's what I feel like we're getting closer and closer to with these. <laughs> At least mine. <laughs> oh, that's just making our own moonshine in the did. backyard in a, Listen, and, and in a bucket. This is, you know, it's funny you should bring that up because I've thought, I have thought this on more than one occasion. We could actually go to our friends at the elementary and make our own beer. Like hire them out and make our own beer. And they'll give us a barrel and we can make like, you know, basically a barrel of beer. Make our own ingredients, figure out how to make our own thing and have our own what's going on here beer. What's going on here, Bear? Wow. So, just like a little seed in your brains to think about. You know, I know the T-shirts there. I'm thinking of getting posters soon. So maybe. I mean, this is the 90th. Only got 10 more to go till the 10 more 100. So, two, two things to think about: what we're gonna do for episode 100 to celebrate, and what's gonna be our countdown in 2021. <laughs> Uh-oh, Sean already has an idea. I, is it por- pornos? What is it, Sean? Close. It's close. I don't... I've. You know, this drink is stronger than it should be. When you said, what are we going to do for the 100? My first... Literally, first thought... And don't read into this, listeners or viewers. That Politically, this doesn't mean anything. It's just, <laughs> what's the best thing you can get for 100? The first thing that came to my head is, chicks with dicks. <laughs> <laughs> Which is, which is, no, 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 it's not. I'm, I'm just saying it. Is that a, like, are you referencing something? Is that a, like a line from something? Uh, no, 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 no. I was, um, chicks with dicks. <laughs> that's a porn yeah. category. I know. I'm like, well, that's like the 100. I feel like that's hitting the 100 because you're just hitting all the marks there. No. 
Okay, so Sean's secret sexual desires have come to light in episode <laughs> no. nine. In case anybody's no, wondering, no, no, you just please a lot. It's just like it's a very, it's a 50 50 uh, split. This isn't a real uh, thing. This drink is stronger than it should be. <laughs> I'm not, I just, you know what, Sean? I, no one's mad at you here. No one's judging you, but I, I think we're just having trouble following <laughs> how you got from where we started. To where we're at right now. Yeah, yeah. thank you, Andrew, um, for verbalizing that very well. No one's mad at you. Nobody hates you. But there's no judgment here, Sean. No judgment here, but for whatever you, you enjoy to watch in your free time, or the thoughts you have in your head after a couple of drinks. Sean, Sean, Sean knows this phrase. Andrew, you might not be familiar with this phrase, but Sean and my friends that listen to the show will be familiar with this phrase. But Sean just went totally sketchy Joe on us here. And I don't know <laughs> what the fuck just happened. Yeah, <laughs> yeah no, I'm, I'm aware. I don't know how that relates to 100, first of all, to start with. Is that That's your, what I'm saying, yeah. Is that your perfect vision of a body? Is a chick with a dick? I mean, I don't You know what I thought? I, my, my, only, my first thought when he said that was like, you were thinking that's the best you can get for 100 bucks. <laughs> Wow. Now it's like forces at work. I don't know what's happening. Like, is that here. where he's going with this? Okay. Oh. Okay, folks. I'm gonna call this episode because I'm out of control here. Thank you all for listening to episode 90. We're so sorry. We're so sorry. This is how this episode ended. And thanks for tuning in. We'll talk to you guys next time. It's just so inappropriate.